0: Hope everyone has had a great, blessed week. Um, Glad we can come back here again on Shabbat uh, to to worship God, to praise Him. Uh, Today, as we heard in the parsha overview, uh, the parsha is Lech Lecha, uh, and He sent out, He went out um, a time in which God spoke to Abraham, to Abram at the time, and to to go to a land that He did not know. Uh, Today, the parasha and the message today, the discussion we're going to have, it's going to be nothing groundbreaking, nothing new. We've talked about Abraham before, we've talked about faith uh, and works, Um, and this message today is really going to hone in on uh, not only faith, but what faith inspires us to do. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, the term emunah. What does it mean? How can we describe it in our lives? Uh, What did that that basis of faith cause Abraham to do willingly? Uh, We're going to talk about the relationship between Abraham and God. And then, uh, again, what what um, their lives, these experiences, what it caused, how did it cause them to live, and what can we glean from that? How do we apply it to our lives um, and hopefully um, take something away today as we go into uh, the week ahead uh, with us? But as we go forward, you know, the title, as you see up there, is Emunah That Inspires Action. How many, to, uh, how many here today felt God's hand in their lives this week? How many saw it? how it 's amazing when you 're looking for it versus when you 're not looking for it maybe when you 're you 're um, focused on something and you 're really not looking to see god 's hand in your life uh, your life each and every day as you 're going through your life, whether it is you 're going to the gas station right or going to a grocery store or you 're going to work um, or you're you 're hanging out with friends, family, whatever it might be uh, sometimes. You get too focused on what you're doing, and you're really not thinking about what God's doing in um, our lives. Uh, and then there are times when you are um, sitting back, smelling the roses, if you will, and really focused on what God is doing. Um, and this very—it could be very simplistic, uh, going to different places that I mentioned before, and him, um, him showing up uh... god showing up in a variety of different ways or it could be you know you've been praying for someone praying with someone and uh, miraculous reckless things occur but, but as i, as I I'll ask those questions again and i really want us to think about this i really want us to review uh, our lives review our weeks our days that we've had um, and and take to heart uh... think about those times that god uh, has moved in our lives that god has blessed us immensely um, because that should be an encouragement. That should, uh, those times we should remember, those times we should call out on a daily basis to ourselves when we're giving ourselves, in a sense, uh, motivational speeches, uh, encouraging you know, ourselves and others around us uh, for the day ahead and getting ready for that. It is really, it's always good to remind ourselves what God has done, what he's brought us through um, and, and brought us uh, the 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 points in our lives where he's brought us to. But again, how many felt God's hand in their lives? How many saw it? When we are looking for it, focused on it, moving in it, we are able to see how much we are surrounded by the good works of God. And I think it's important to emphasize good works or the good actions of God. Whether small or grand, you know examples you know getting a, a front row parking spots when when you're pulling in maybe you're in a rush or um, it's a huge parking lot and you get a front row parking spot. you know simple thing is that I remember when I remember way back when I received uh, uh, it happens to all, probably all of us but I received a free um, I ordered I ordered 10, 10 piece nuggets I received 11 right It was a blessing from God that I got an extra uh, chicken nugget uh, in my lunch. Something simplistic as that. I I say that to say, to emphasize the fact that no matter how simplistic it is, right? No matter how menial it is, it's still a blessing from God, right? And it's still something that in my mind, in my uh, opinion, it shows that God is walking with us continually, that he's taking care of us even in the very, very small simplistic things right? Also, obviously, on the flip side, you have individuals that are being healed from sickness, Um, individuals that are, you know, uh, uh, praying, um, uh, seeking God to have a change in their lives, and God shows up in a miraculous way. So God's great works, God's good works, he is continually moving in our lives day in, day out, um, around us, showing us moving, uh, taking us by the hand, walking us uh, down the paths uh, that He wants us to be in. So when we think about that, God is continually moving. So He's always moving, always taking action within His universe, within His world, within His creation. He's not observing from afar just to gain knowledge. He's not like looking down on us you know, with a with a telescope or a magnifying glass just observing, um, uh, understanding our ways, understanding how we live. He's not just doing that to gain knowledge. Um, and he's not just thinking about it. Um, he's not just you know, watching, thinking, oh, that's great. Isn't it cute how they live? And isn't it funny how they live, right? Um, no, he's taking an active role uh, in his creation. He's moving throughout, With that said, we have an actionable God, and I think we need to be reminded of that in our lives uh, on a daily basis. Uh, No matter what we're going through, no matter how our lives are going, we have to keep reminding ourselves that our God uh, is an actionable God. And um, we see it in any chapter of the Bible. We read uh, that we read, and we certainly see it every day in our lives. He is the antithesis. And it's interesting when you think about when we read the Bible, when we come across um, uh, many chapters that discuss how the Israelites or pagans around them uh, sought uh, to worship idols, sought to worship um, uh, all these different gods that they created with their hands, whether it's wood, iron, stone, God is the antithesis of these idols that these pagans create. If you think about an idol, it's stiff, it's immovable, it's a piece of wood, iron, or stone. It does nothing but sits in one spot. Our God does nothing of the sort. So I'm emphasizing God's actions today because I think, one, we must all ensure we recognize them on a daily basis. And then, two, and importantly for today and for the focus of today's message and discussion, that we seek to emulate emulate God's approach in each of our spheres of influence. When I say spheres of influence, you know, if I had a board, I would draw a circle, right? And in our circle, you put your name in it, and then all the different things that you take a part of in your daily lives, whether this is family, friends, work, uh, go, like I mentioned before, going to gas station, grocery store, that's kind of your sphere of influence. Coming here to Rosh Bina, all of these places that you go, all of these places that you experience, This is where, this is your sphere of influence. So when you think about God, not only moving, uh, when we think about God moving in our lives, taking action in our lives, and then we're always seeking it, right? Always praying, um, God, please take us by the hand. God, show us your path for our lives. God, uh, please uh, do this, change this. We're we're definitely seeking that and calling out, and that's great. But also, we have to keep in mind how God is not only uh, taking action in our lives, but wanting to take action in those spheres that we, uh, we travel to, those spheres that we go to and hang out in. He's wanting not only to pour on us, which he does immensely, but he's also wanting us then, or wanting to use us as a conduit through us, Pour out on all those uh, spheres of influence. And I really, as we'll see and as we'll get into the scripture, that's really what, um, I mean, there's so many different aspects of Abraham that we can discuss. I mean, we could spend uh, days upon days uh, discussing Abraham and, and all the different aspects of his life and what how God raised him up and what God used him to do. But it's interesting, you know, God blessed him immensely. God chose him, raised him up to be this great leader, this father of many nations. But also, God not only wanted to to bless him and use him to be this leader, but he also wanted to bless those those around him through him, right? He didn't just want to bless him. He wanted to bless all of those through him. so through Abraham and the many, many thousands of generations after him uh, were blessed because of his actions. Because of um, the faith he had in God, because he is simply put, he moved. Right? He went, as we discussed today. So as Abraham was sent from the father's house, uh, sent from his father's house, off on his own to a place where God would show him, God charged uh, Abraham many times to show his trust in Him through action. And through these actions, God would not only bless him, but bless the world through Abraham. Similarly, God has directed all of our lives to places where we, are, we all live now. These spheres of influence I mentioned. Whatever, wherever we are today, God has brought us to this point, And he has put us here for those reasons. God is seeking not only to, to bless us, but bless those around us through us. And the only way we can, he can do that is through taking action. Us going. Us rising and walking, us building. As I read through the Parashah this week, you know, it really stuck out to me. All the different actionable words that are a part of um, scripture, a part of the chapters that we read. How many verbs are utilized as it relates into the life of Abraham and, you know, Today, of course, we're talking about lek but So I'm mentioning those verbs and those actionable words around Avraham. But clearly, there's millions of those in the Bible with many other um, biblical individuals as well. But again, going, rising, walking, building, and at times, waiting fervently, which is a verb and an action itself. With that said, today we are going to be looking at uh, Abram's call in this parsha how he acted, what he did, when God instructed, and how he moved with emunah or faith. Um, emunah can be, the, the terms used mainly are faith, belief, believed. Um, it, also in scripture, emunah can mean trust. And I, I like that word a lot, um, so I'm probably going to be using that more today. Uh, that A uh, trust in God, and when you think about a relationship, that trust you have to have um, this is a trust that, God, that Abraham had in God to be able to move forward with all these actions. So let's start uh, today with uh, Genesis 12, 1 through 3, which states...
1: The Lord said to Avram, Get out of your country, from your father and from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse the, him who curses you, and all your families of the earth shall be blessed.
0: Now there's a ton of ton of things uh, in these first three verses that we're gonna touch on today. Um, but immediately when we read this first verse in Hebrew, Viomer Adonaiel Avram, Lechlecha. God said to Abraham, Lechlechab. Here we have two interesting words that on the surface and through many translations, simply means get yourself out or send thou. But looking at the literal meaning of each, we come to a deeper meaning that emphasizes this father-son relationship that God and Abraham had together. Lek means simply to go. But when this same word is written with a slight variation, it means for yourself. So when you combine these two words... You literally are getting go for yourself. The rabbis view this as God telling Abraham that even though you are comfortable, think about his, and we're going to get into the scripture, but think of, he's with his family. He's, he, he's obviously of, of old age, so he's, you know, as a, a typical human, probably set in his ways, right, um, at, this, at this age. Um, and he's, he's with his family, he's got... Uh, a wife. He's got tons of things going on for him. He's in a a land that he's comfortable with, uh, right? He's probably like, I'm good. I'm good living where I'm at. I'm good living out my days how it is. And yet, God says, lech lecha. And as I was just saying, you know, rabbis viewed this as God telling Abraham that even though you are comfortable, that your life is great and you're feeling great, especially here with your family, I need you to leave them and to go to a land that you don't know. I need you to—I to, need to uproot you, take you out of everything you know, and to go a land and to go into a situation that you have no clue about, because it is good for you. For God to make Abraham and Sarah the man and woman he had intended since the beginning of creation— for specifically for Abraham and Sarah, he needed them to go on this journey. He needed, for what he wanted uh, the leaders, he wanted them to be. And then, of course, all the millions of blessings that came after them, right? To be the father of nations, to, to um, root, uh, place a, a root or plant a tree in, in the land of Canaan to where the nation of Israel would be birthed. He needed them to leave what they knew all their lives. And to go on this journey. Now, Abraham and Sarah were introduced at the end of this previous um, parashah in the previous chapter in, in Genesis 11, which we're going to read here in a little bit. Because um, I think it's important, you know, because when we read Genesis 12 1, it's, I find it very interesting. You know, it definitely says, get out of your country, right? That's the, the, the aspect that we always see get out, that he's literally leaving his country and going to uh, a new land. But it also says, I need you from your family so get out of your country get out of your family and your father's house so I want to look a little bit more into that because I, I find that interesting but so now Abraham and Sarah were introduced you know like I said at the end, end of the parashah, through the lineage of Shem to Terah his father and ending with Avraham so or Abram at this point uh, we read this in Genesis chapter 11 26 through 31 which states
1: now Terah lived 70 years and begot Avram Nahor and Haran. This is the genealogy of Terah. Terah begot Avram, Nahor, and Haran, and Haran begot Lot, and Haran died before his father Terah in his native land in Ur of the Chaldeans. Then Avram and Nahor took wives. The name of Avram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife was Milcah, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah, and the father of Iscah. But Sarai was barren, she had no child, And Terah took his son Avram and his grandson Lot and the son of Haran and his daughter-in-law Sarai, his sons Avram's wife. And they went out with them from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to the land of Canaan. And they came to Haran and dwelt there.
0: So we read in this uh, section, uh, the background of Abraham's family who it included, where they were from, and most importantly, what 31 stated. I find it interesting that Terah, along with his family, already left Ur, that they already started this journey, that as a family with Terah and everybody else, they started the journey, and as it it reads in 31, that they did have their sights set on going to the land of Canaan, that they were leaving Ur, and then they were gonna go uh, to Canaan. But what occurred was uh, Terah stopped in Haran, and of course, uh, probably stopped. Uh, maybe it was probably a great city, fruitful, whatever it might be. And he was like, you know what? This is a good land. We're just going to stay here. And they stayed there till um, uh, Tara died. And so, so I find this interesting. Um... But as you read through it, and I'm definitely like reading into scriptures here, so clearly the Bible doesn't really give us a lot of detail on what decisions were made or why uh, they left Ur to begin with and then why they were on their way to the land of Canaan um, or why did they stop the Quran. But reading into it, you know, you, and, and starting when I started this message around God's hand in our lives and God's always moving, you really see God's hand, at least, uh, you know, reading into it, can see God's hand moving and the fact that the, the charge that God gave Abraham was not just to get out of his country, but also I need you away from your family. So it really comes across as God's hand was in there where he had uh, um, Abraham's family stop in Haran and stay there. So then God can take Abraham up and take him the rest of the way to the land of Canaan. So without Terah uh, and family probably even knowing it, guiding them out of the Ur towards Canaan... God um, was, was already beginning the process, already beginning to move Abraham uh, to the promised land. And then having his family stay in Haran because God didn't just want Abraham and Canaan. He wanted him there and separate from his family. So remember, Genesis 12:1, stating, get out of your country, like I said, and out of your family and your father's house. God not only wanted him in Canaan, but also wanted him alone, only with his wife. And other things that he had, of course. Now, why was this? Why would God want to separate Abraham from his family? I think, I believe, I believe we can look at Joshua 24 and it gives us a sense of potentially what God was trying to take Abraham away from, especially wanting to use Abraham as the foundation for this nation of Israel that's going to come in the future. Uh, If we read 24 through 1, or 24, 1 through 3, which states...
1: Then Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and called for the elders of Israel, for their heads, for their judges, and for their officers, and they presented themselves before God. And Joshua said to all the people, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Your fathers, including Terah, the father of Avraham, and the father of Nahor, dwelt on the other side of the river in old times. And they served other gods. And then I took your father, Avraham, from the other side of the river and led him throughout all the land of Canaan, multiplied his descendants, and gave him to Isaac."
0: Now, when we see it right at this moment, Joshua 24, this is Joshua's last charge to the children of Israel before he passes on. It's interesting that it occurs in Shechem, just when that's the first place that Abraham went to in this parasha. But the most important part of what I wanna bring up is, um, now the Bible doesn't directly say this, and, I, and I, again, reading into it, but I believe that God's hand was directing this because we see in these scriptures that where it says, Uh, Tara and his sons, Abraham and Nahor, lived beyond the Euphrates and served other gods. So, now, you'll go read in Genesis Rabbah, and there's, um, in the Talmud, it talks about how Abraham never bowed to idols, but, you know, that his, his father was an idol uh, creator, if you will. Um, now, so, who knows if, if uh, Abraham uh, did take part in idol worship or not? Um, not sure, obviously, Scripture here talks about Terah and his sons serving other gods. Um, but regardless, regardless if he did or not, He definitely was around idol uh, creation and idol worship, right? That's what uh, that family, the culture of it, if you will, that's what they did. So think about this. If God is trying to create a nation, how difficult would it be for him to bring a whole family that already has idol worship, a part of it, to this new place, this new land, and have to fight against that uh, evil seeping in, when he's trying to give his instructions, because his instructions, what are they mainly going to be around? Let's not worship foreign gods, right? That's one of the keys of God's instructions. I am your God. I'm a jealous God. I'm the one true God. I want you to focus on me and have trust in me, have faith in me, and live for me. I don't want to compete with the, this wood and iron and, and steel, right? Or uh, uh, um, stone, I don't want to compete with these uh, stiff, immovable idols when I'm the actionable God that's walking with you day in, day out. So I I personally believe that that, whether it's the main reason or it's definitely one of the main reasons why God not only wanted Abraham out of his country, but wanted him away from his family because he needed to separate Abraham from that idol worship especially with what he was seeking to create out of Abraham for the future nations to come. So God pulls Abraham out of his country and away from his family to make him a great nation. In doing so, how did Abraham respond? What did he do? When you think about this, and you know, it, it, unfortunately the Bible really doesn't go into depth when we read um, Joseph, you know, the story of Joseph, uh, or the life of Joseph, you know, it goes in detail that he's, um, Joseph, Moses, uh, when we read the, the life of Moses, that he goes and he sees this, uh, burning bush, and it's really detailed of God speaking to him, right? Here in scripture, it just talks about that God, uh, spoke to Abraham and says, get you out of the country. So, we don't know, uh, if that was the first time that they spoke together, we don't know how he showed up, if he showed up in the physical, or did, did, um, uh, did, Abraham, just hear this voice, we're not sure, um, at at that point, if if you will. But we know that God spoke, and we see in these next verses that Abram was so full of trust, so confident in what he heard, maybe saw, that he went immediately. And we see in Genesis 12, verses, uh, verses 4 through 9, which states,
1: So Avram departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. And Avram was seventy five years old when he departed Haran. Then Avram took Sarai his wife and Lot his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people whom they had acquired in Haran. And they departed to go to the land of Canaan. So they came to the land of Canaan. And Avram passed through the land to the place of Shechem, as far as the Terebeth tree of Moreh. And the Canaanites were there in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Avram and said, To your descendants I will give this land. And there he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. And he moved from there to the mountain east of Bethel. And he pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. So Abram journeyed, going on still toward the south.
0: So you see here, scripture states, Abraham simply went. Abraham, after hearing from God, was full of his emunah in Hebrew, which, like I, I've mentioned already, in many translations, it's called out as belief or believing, or you'll see the term faith be used. Additionally, like I mentioned, um, describe, and as to describe this type of relationship that Abraham had uh, with God, emunah can also carry the meaning of trust. When Abraham heard the voice of God, he trusted him, who spoke and left his family and country to a place he knew not. Abraham began this process, this journey of his life, of entering into this covenant with God at this point. And just like Abraham, several thousands of years ago, and all of us sitting around the room have at different times in our lives entered this covenant of trust. The foundational aspect of every relationship, and especially one with God. We think about, I think about uh, trust falls, right? Or any different things that you want to think about of how unimportant it is to have trust um, uh, with uh, another individual w- when you're in a relationship, right? Wife, family, friends, whatever it might be. But this trust, and you think about a trust fall. Think about doing a trust fall on a, a hard, rocky uh, pavement, uh, and you're going full full go, and you're hoping, and you have nothing protecting you, and you're hoping someone catches you, right? Um, Magnify that by a a ton, and you see Abraham's trust. Try to put ourselves in these situations of, think about us being in our um, our lives today, and then God all of a sudden coming to us say, yep, I'm going to pluck you up from what you know, and I'm going to take you to somewhere new, whether it's like literally take you or, or change something about your life. I mean, that is what he had to go through. That is amazing um, that he just went. That is amazing that he was full of faith to believe that the one he spoke with was the one true God and that that God was going to take care of him. That God was going to be his shield, was going to be his support, was going to be whatever his sustenance, whatever Abraham needed, that's what God was going to do for him, and then utilize him for all the things in the future. So when we decide to follow Yeshua, we enter a covenant with God based on trust in who he is and a trust in his promises. Through this trust, Abraham was inspired to take action. He was inspired to move. Similarly, I believe God wants to emphasize today the importance of all of us moving in our lives or our spheres of influence. He wants to emphasize today that he just doesn't want himself moving while we sit and watch. He wants us to get up. He wants us to follow his lead, to follow Abraham's lead, and to take action in our families, in our communities, everywhere, really. And honestly, you know, I mentioned there, take action in families and, and, and friends and communities and all of that. But also, he wants us to take action when it's just us and him. How often do we sit around, you know, praying, which is great, we should, but how often do we just sit around waiting for God to speak to us, but we're not really moving with him. We're not, um, we're going to get into a little bit, but, you know, God spoke to Abraham, look north, south, east, west, look at the land I'm giving you. And then what he, he didn't just stop there and say, well, look what I'm going to give you and just stop, right? Think about it. You know it in your mind. You're good to go. He tells Abraham to rise and walk the land. Go see the land. Go touch the land. Go smell the land. Go see what I'm literally giving you. I think we, I, I, I personally think, I know I do. But I think we, as a a body of uh, in in this world, as believers, we need to take more action um, in our relationship with God, in our one-on-one relationship, and going out in this world and experiencing God in all that He does. Um, Like I said, reading your Word clearly. These are the, the table stakes that we should be doing every day, right? Praying, uh, praying in your room, reading your word, all of those things. But also, I think we miss out on stuff if we don't get out of our house and we're not uh, walking around. And a uh, little humor, but I, uh, this is coming from a guy that's been remote probably for three years, so I'm sure God's impressing that upon me too. But staying in, staying in a room, uh, staying in a house, and just on technology nonstop um, and, and praying... I think there's so much more that God wants to use us for and not just use us in helping others like we should, right? But also showing us our relationship with God as we get out in the world. As we have experiences out in this world, he's going to bring so many uh, events, so many activities our way. Again, could be simple, could be, hey, I just gave you a free parking spot, could be uh, a crazy experience to build our faith. Later on, I have a scripture that talks faith to faith, this, this progression of faith, that we have this initial trust and faith uh, in Yeshua when we first come to him. But then as we go on in our lives, it's supposed to continue to grow. It's supposed to continue to supplant in our lives um, as we get older and as we continue to experience uh, more and more. So he wants us, you know, to get out. He wants us uh, to take action. Obviously in our families, I saw a sign uh, the other day driving past, uh, and I forgot what uh, uh, church it is. Um, it's on Cleveland, one, but, uh, you know, it, it talks about, um, when I think about this, you know, like in our families and then uh, into the communities and so on and so forth, it grows bigger and bigger. Uh, there, was a, there was this poem a long time ago I read that it reminded me of. It basically says, sanctify yourself. So then your communities can be sanctified, right? So as we work on ourselves and we spend time um, with God, uh, growing our faith, our trust in him, right? Uh, and then which builds confidence, builds boldness, builds all the fruits of the spirits. then as we're living like that, that's going to expand and influence and affect that, those spheres of influence, right? All those different groups that we, we take part in. But for Abraham, when we think about actions, and we think about going out um, and and him hearing from God and then him moving, uh, you know, first, the action that is focused on God's instruction and ensuring we are continually attaching ourselves to him. For Abraham, the action meant traveling to an unknown place. It meant, and we read this in the last section of verses, and he did it four times, but everywhere he went, when when he heard from God, he built an altar. He physically built an altar. So you start seeing he's physically doing things anytime something occurs that is significant in his life. He's, ha- he's doing so. That altar not only acts as that gateway between him and God when he's talking with him, or a place that he could uh, bring thanksgiving and praise to God, but it also acts as a memorial. Because he built that altar, maybe he used it many times, maybe he used it a couple times. But any time he saw it, what's he going to be reminded of? His interaction with God, what God has done in his life, which then will encourage him even more as he's going on to the next um, event in his life, next challenge in his life. I think that's key as well. For us, action might be taking—so for us, as we think about it, uh, and there's many actions, many, many uh, ways to move, right, that I've been mentioning. One is just our actions with God in our relationship, um, and then others could be uh, going forth into communities, helping those uh, who need help. Uh, It could be a variety of things. So when we think of this, um, for us, you know, action might be taken—it could be simplistic— to uh, uh, a much larger, more spiritual movement in our lives. But for us, action might be taking a walk around the block to talk with God. You know, instead of maybe sitting in our prayer closets, um, a long time ago my wife uh, went uh, at the Indian Head Park and walked on a path And, you know, she came back and she shared how much God spoke to her. And it was like the fact that she was walking in the park um, and God showed her so many different things that she was seeing and experiencing, whether it's because of people that she stopped and talked with or just viewing nature or, you know, viewing the, uh, the skies, all of that, just getting out, God was able to use all of those different things, variables, to encourage her to fill her with confidence, to let her know that God's walking with her. So taking a walk around the block to talk with God, crafting memorial stones, or anything that reminds us of what God has done in our lives, because as we know, we will need them going forward in our lives to continue to encourage us as the Word, as we are continually in the Word reading. It encourages us to go forward, to keep pushing ahead, no matter what we're experiencing in this world. So crafting those memorial stones to remind us how God moved in our lives in the past and walking out the instructions of his word. The second type of action is the kind in which God can bless those around us through us because we are listening and taking action. Examples of this can be be as simple as getting the mail out of the neighbor's mailbox for them, Doing extra at work to help fellow co-workers. Encouraging those around us during good times and bad. Praying with others. And and I want to emphasize this. Obviously, praying for others is basic and that's what we should be doing. Um, But how much more is reaching out to someone, even if it is by the phone, but reaching out to someone to literally pray with them um, uh, together. And then helping those less fortunate, feeding the poor, clothing the naked, as we all know. There are millions upon millions of things we can do to move like Abraham and to move like God and things that we can do that allows God to move through us in the world. We just need to move. Another example of God charging uh, Abraham to take action is seen in Genesis 13:14 through 18, which states,
1: And the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, Lift your eyes now and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, and westward. For all the land which you see, I give to you and your descendants forever. And I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth, so that if a man could number the dust of the earth, then your descendants also could be numbered. Arise, walk in the land through its length and its width, for I give it to you. And Avram moved his tent and went and dwelt by the terebinth trees of memory, which are in Hebron, and built an altar there to the Lord.
0: So not only did God want Abraham to look at the land that he was given to him, but uh, from one spot. He wanted Abraham to rise and walk, go throughout the land, experience how large it is, how fruitful it is. Truly experience what God not only has for him and his family, but for the thousands of generations that follow. And I, I want to emphasize this. Because and I know it's I know it's very simplistic and I know uh, several of these things I'm speaking of today are very simplistic. I just think that God wants to remind us how important they are, even though they're very simplistic. Last night, um, so uh, as uh, all of you know, and I think it's been it's been said here many times before. But you know, it, uh, the tradition is when the uh, the sun goes down, you go out to look for three stars, and when there's three stars in the sky, uh, Shabbat begins. Right. Uh, so last night, uh, we were getting ready uh, to light the Shabbat candles, and um, and I'll be honest, I, I, don't, I, I doubt, I can't remember if, we've, if, if my family has ever done this, um, but before lighting the candles, we decided to go look for the stars. Like we were with our kids, we were like, all right, Zoe, all right, um, mainly Zoe, but uh, all right, Zoe and Gabby, let's go out, let's look for the stars, let's see if there's three stars so we can go light the Shabbat candles. And at first, I, I'll be honest, because we never really done it. I didn't really think anything of it. I'm like, yeah, let's, it'll be fun. Let's go outside. So we went outside. We saw one star. couldn't see any others. You know, and then we, we kept walking around, obviously waiting a little bit because the sun just went down. Uh, and then we saw another star. And then, you know, we, we waited. We talked. We were, we were you know, uh, uh, having fun. And then finally the third star. And it really, going through the very simplistic um, activity, it really, you know, it really spoke to me a lot of how great our God is, how grand our God is. You know, when you're looking up into the sky and you're, you're uh, seeing the universe that he's created and then able to see the stars, obviously see the moon, all of these different things and how, what he's directing. You know, it really, for whatever reason, it had a huge impression uh, on me um, and my, uh, my, really, my... my um, my faith in him, right? My, our, my relationship, knowing that he's there, knowing what he does. And it's a lot of times when uh, we have, when I have my head down and I'm not even paying attention to any of that, I miss out on so much of what God's trying to show of how great uh, and powerful he is. Just by simply looking at three stars in the sky, you know, he was showing me the, the whole universe that His hand crafted, right? And how much he takes care of us. So, clearly, much, much lower on the totem pole compared to what he showed Avraham walking the land uh, in the land of Canaan, but it's still kind of to me, I made a connection in my mind, so I wanted to bring that up um, but so, whether it is you know walking outside, uh, looking at the three stars, or lighting the Shabbat candles, cooking hala, you know moving. Uh -uh. So, you know, any of these things that we're doing, instead of, you know, just thinking about it saying, yeah, you know, some cook the challah or some are looking at stars or lighting candles or doing this or that, you know, instead of saying, yeah, those are, you know, those are fun traditions, whatever, but actually taking part in doing them, you know, whether it's those simplistic things or even uh, greater things of going out and doing other things, it really does make an impact um, in how much God can show us and teach us and encourage us uh, in those moments. So moving on, we read uh, later in the Parsha, God making a covenant with Abraham and encouraging Abraham of his promises, as we, we read in Genesis 15, 1 through 6, which states,
1: After these things, the word of the Lord came to Avram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Avram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. But Avram said, Lord God, what will you give me? Seeing I go childless, and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. Then Avram said, Look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look, now towards heaven, and count the stars, if you are able to number them. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. And he believeth in the Lord, and he accounted it to him for righteousness. The key term
0: in this section and the title of the teaching, as I, I put up there, which I mentioned earlier, is um, the, the root of it is aman or emunah, uh, or in this verse, vahi emin, which all share the same roots of aleph men nun. In most of our Bibles, this Hebrew term is is translated like i mentioned before as believe or belief but like i said earlier the best uh, the best most literal translation is trust understanding understanding this term of trust coupled with the fact the term is a verb right it's not just you know a belief someone has with no action or a faith someone has or a trust someone has with no action i mean I brought up the trust fall. I mean, if you trust someone, all right, well, show me your trust by falling on rocky, hard pavement or hoping that the person catches you, right? It's literally showing it, not just saying, yeah, I trust that person. No, I'm going to show you that I trust it. It's that verb, that action. Um, meaning the Bible isn't saying that Abraham stated he trusts God. No, Abraham actually showed his trust for God through action, not only speech. Abraham heard God's promises, trusted them, and lived his life accordingly. And an actionable trust in the promises God has spoken since the beginning of time. Furthermore, in Haftarah, we see uh, this week uh, God speaks through Isaiah to Israel, uh, this same message of an actionable trust as we read in Isaiah 40, 27 through 31, which states,
1: Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, My way is hidden from the Lord, and my just claim is passed over by my God? Have you not known? Have you not heard? everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak, and to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint.
0: So, so we see in this passage there where people are a part of Israel doubting God. They are complaining that God wasn't looking out for them. To put it plainly, they were pouting because everything wasn't going swimmingly for them. God seeks to set them straight by seeking to capture the uncapturable in words. How great and awesome his power is. How unfathomable his understanding stretches. He's speaking this through Isaiah to the people. For he is the one who strengthens the weak and rewards those with steadfast strength that will help endure all obstacles who wait on him. The Hebrew term for wait is kavah, which means wait, to look for, hope for, expecting, and expectation, and guess, and and it's a verb. Another action God seeks for His people to take. How can we actively wait for God? You know this isn't the typical waiting we do sitting on a chair sur- uh, surfing the internet. This is a state of living where we are carrying out our daily routine while continually having our eyes on the clouds waiting for is re- waiting for our redemption. This is a a waiting that we know it's going to happen. There's no doubt that's seeping in that's causing us to like well maybe it won't. I mean Obviously, it's been talked about many times, but it is literally amazing how old Abraham and Sarah were when God started to use them, right? It is literally amazing that, you know, because a lot of times when we read the Bible, we think that God's going to start using them in 20s, 30s, whatever. I mean, the fact that he was going to give them a child past their 90s is mind-boggling, Right? But he had a plan, and that, if, if, if this story doesn't build trust in our lives, not many others will. This shows that he, his time is perfect, and that whatever he's going to bring forth in any of our lives, it will come forth. His promises are everlasting, as we always say. This waiting is not the type where we forget about what we are waiting for. This type of waiting we are called to actively seek each day through study, prayer, worship of the Most High, reminding ourselves of what we're waiting on, for God is going to provide it. Through going out into the world, spreading the fruits of the Spirit to all those around us through action. Additionally, this term can mean to bind together. It's interesting. Um, it's, It's waiting, but it's also binding together. As we live out our lives by following his instructions, his voice with an expectation and hope of his promises, we are continually binding ourselves to him. That's why it's so important to continually not only read our word, pray, but remind ourselves of what he's done in our lives, remind ourselves what he's promised in the future for us as a body of believers. It's continually binding us to God, connecting us, attaching us to him. As we live out our lives by following his instructions, his voice with an expectation and hope of his promises, we are continually binding ourselves to him. Interestingly, the second aspect of this section of verses I want to discuss focusing on this renewal. Renewal here in Hebrew is chalaf, and literally means an exchange or a change. The rabbis view this to mean that God literally gives those who wait upon him with this fervent hope, these people that are waiting, binding themselves to him, that God literally gives them a new strength, replacing, replacing their old strength and giving them a new strength. So not renewing, not having, okay, you got, a, you got 20% left in the gas tank, and I'm going to renew it to make it 100. No, he's removing the, uh, the, the old strength and putting in new strength into those who are waiting upon him so that they may mount on eagle, eagles' wings, that they may run and not be weary. He's exchanging it for new strength as he mounts them on eagles' wings. As we end here today, I want to read again the basis for Abraham's righteousness, because I want to be clear what, we, uh, what uh, set him and all those um, who are of God. I want to be clear that what makes people God's treasure and as we, read earlier, as we read earlier, this can be found in Genesis 15, verse 6, which states,
1: And he believed in the Lord, and he accounted it to him for righteousness.
0: It was Abraham's trust, his faith, that was accounted for righteousness. None of the action, again, it was that, that faith of movement, that trust of movement, that, gave, that was accounted to him for righteousness. Abraham followed God with this unbreakable trust that no matter what surrounded him or what issues he experienced, he never wavered from God. Furthermore, Romans 413 through 25 states,
1: For the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For those who are of the law are heirs. Faith is made void and the promise made of no effect, because the law brings about wrath. For where there is no law, there is no transgression. Therefore it is of faith that it might be according to grace, so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. In the presence of him who he believed, God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did, who, contrary to hope, in hope, believed so that he became the father of many nations, according to what was spoken. So shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body, already dead, since he was about 100 years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was able to perform. And therefore, it was accounted to him for righteousness. Oops, sorry. Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but also for us. It shall be imputed to us who believe in him who raised Yeshua our Lord from the dead, who was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification.
0: The, the one or two verses that really stuck out to me in this, he did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was already as good as dead. And the, he, didn't, he didn't even consider it, right? God said that he's doing this and, and Abraham trusted. He didn't even consider his age or, or anything that he was convinced that God was going to bring forth his promises that were stated.
1: Finally, I leave you with Romans 1:16 through 16-17, which states, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of the Messiah, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, they shall live by faith.
0: We must all remember that the foundation of our being is the faith in God and his salvation. This immovable, binding faith that fills us with strength from God. A faith that inspires action and spreads light to all those around us. Let us go out today in this faith and practice this faith throughout this week. Amen? It is our duty to praise the Master of all, to ascribe greatness to the author of creation. For he made us unlike the nations of the lands and has not placed us like the families of the earth. He has not made our portion like theirs, and our lots like all their multitudes. And we bend the knee and bow and acknowledge our thanks before the king over kings, the Holy One, blessed be he. He stretches out heaven and establishes earth's foundation. And the seat of his glory is in the heavens above, and the presence of his power is in the most exalted heights. He is our God, there is none other. True is our king. There is nothing beside him as it is written in his Torah, and you shall know this day and take to your heart that the Lord he is God in the heavens above, and on the earth below there is none other. Amen.